the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The presidential palace in Baghdad is overrun. There are reports the U.S. Embassy has been evacuated. And today the White House says it is urging dialogue over confrontation. The DOJ's review of C's Mar-a-Lago documents is already complete. They don't intend to prosecute this case. Several Ivy League schools like Penn and Wharton say President Biden's loan forgiveness program could cost in excess of $1 trillion. Forgiveness will cost taxpayers anywhere between $300 billion and $980 billion, about a trillion dollars. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, August 30th. I'm Mike Scott. On Monday, the Justice Department announced they reviewed documents seized from former President Donald Trump's home in Florida, stating that they believe there is only a, quote, limited set of documents that may be covered by attorney-client privilege. The Justice Department went on to state that they would provide more information in the near future through another court filing. The DOJ also said they would provide more information in a separate filing, but they said that prior to the court issuing a preliminary order to appoint a special master to go through the documents A privilege review team instead went through those documents. A special master is an independent court-appointed individual who, in this case, would be placed in charge of reviewing documents. A privilege review team consists of federal personnel not involved in the investigation itself, whose role is to try and sift out any privileged information. Andrew McCarthy, a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor, join Chicago's Morning Answer to discuss the latest developments of the aftermath of the search on Mar-a-Lago. I, I think probable cause is a fairly low standard. Um, and, you know, I, I would say that based on what we knew from the public record, you could probably make probable cause out. So to the extent the affidavit parrots that, um, sure. But the thing is, you know, you point out the difference between the authority, you know, what triggers granting the warrant, uh, which is like probable cause that a crime was committed and that evidence of the crime uh, will be found there. And then there's a separate issue of what they're allowed to take. You know, the, the, um, the probable cause finding only gets you in the door. Uh, the warrant is supposed to be a particularized roadmap of where you're allowed to search and what you're allowed to take. Now, I, I've, I think the disconnect here is that what gets them in the door is probable cause of mishandling classified documents. McCarthy also says that while the former president does have the authority to declassify documents, he also had to submit paperwork showing which documents were declassified. 
in particular the Presidential Records Act, which has a provision in it that I don't think has gotten enough attention, uh, which is uh, Section 2203A, uh, which, which basically says that uh, the president shall take all steps as may be necessary to assure that the activities, deliberations, decisions, and policies that reflect the performance of the president's duties are adequately documented and that such records are preserved and maintained. So, you know, I, I think the courts are going to find that, yes, President Trump had the authority to declassify anything he wanted to, but this idea that he could wave a magic wand over it or that he could, like, imagine it into declassified status, I don't think he's going to hold up in court. I think they're going to look at the Presidential Records Act and say, if he did it, let's see the documentary evidence that he did it, because he's supposed to document the activities and the directives of his presidency. McCarthy goes on to say that it is his opinion that the DOJ will not prosecute the case against the former president. The only way that it makes sense to me that the Justice Department is fighting so hard not to disclose the stuff that's redacted is that they don't think they don't intend to prosecute this case. And the reason I say that is in a normal criminal case, you would normally do the arrests and the searches at the end of an FBI investigation. They're frequently done on the same probable cause affidavit. You never want to have a situation where you're, you're doing a warrant in the middle of an investigation where people can actually go to court and ask for disclosure of it. So this is highly unusual. And the only reason it makes – the only rational thing I can figure that um, argues for them hold, trying to withhold all this information is that they're hoping that it never has to be disclosed. According to reports, the presidential palace in Baghdad, Iraq, has been breached. The U.S. Embassy evacuated on Monday. This comes as Muqtada el-Sadr announced he was leaving politics, spurring some to riot. El-Sadr is the biggest political leader in Iraq and once led militias during the war. Kelly Meyer of News Nation says that the White House is pushing back against claims that the U.S. Embassy has been evacuated. We heard from the White House today, and they say reports of the unrest are, quote, disturbing and are calling for calm in the Iraqi capital, but they are continuing to deny claims the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad is being evacuated. White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby telling us earlier today those reports are, quote, false, adding that the safety of the U.S. government personnel, U.S. citizens, and security of our facilities remains our highest priority. Meyer explains how the retirement of El Sadr caused the civil unrest. The protests erupted in the Capitol today after an influential Shiite cleric announced he is quitting politics. This news sending his supporters to the streets to storm the government complex, leading to clashes with security and rival Shiite groups. Security forces pushing protesters out of the palace by firing tear gas and live bullets. Some protests, though, were calm, with supporters jumping into a swimming pool at the palace. And there's an open-ended nationwide curfew the Iraqi military declared, along with urging protesters to leave the area. Meyer went on to state that the White House believes the civil unrest in Iraq may threaten the stability of the nation itself. 
And today, the White House says it is urging dialogue over confrontation, adding that Iraqi institutions are not allowed to operate. And the United Nations Assistance Mission saying today that Iraqis cannot, quote, be held hostage to an unpredictable and untenable situation, adding that the very survival of the state is at stake. The nation of Pakistan has been fighting to prevent further loss of life as it races to contain one of the worst disasters it has ever faced. Monsoon season in the region has seen floodwaters and mudslides cover one-third of the country, home to over 220 million people. Pakistan's climate minister, Sherry Raymond, says the unprecedented rain has created a catastrophe with floodwaters submerging homes, destroying farmland, and displacing millions. According to reports from the scene, the floodwaters and severe rains have killed at least 1,130 people, including 386 children, since mid-June. Meanwhile, the National Disaster Management Agency fears the unrelenting rain will cause more fatalities. Michael Okwu of DW News, a German news and media outlet, explains the dire situation on the ground. Officials in Pakistan say flash floods across much of the country have killed over a 1,000 people and displaced thousands more since mid-June. The newest fatalities are primarily being reported in the northwest and down in southern Sindh province. Weeks of unrelenting monsoon rains have affected more than 30 million people and have wreaked havoc on vital infrastructure. A national emergency is in force, and the country's prime minister is appealing to other countries for help. This Pakistani man lost his home as it was swept away by floodwaters. I built this house with a lot of hard work, and now it's all gone. There's flood water everywhere, and there's no job for me. I'll have to ask the government for help rebuilding the house. Otherwise, I have no hope. Aldi Shiraz of Care International says that Pakistan is in desperate need of basic essentials. So first of all, like, I mean, uh, if you see the damages which has happened, approximately 33 million people are affected out of that, which is a huge population. And it is in all across the country. Balochistan and Sindh provinces are hard hit. And then KPK and southern Punjab is equally hit also by the, uh, by the flood. At this stage, shelter is the most needed, which is temporary shelter for these people who have been affected. Um, items like ministerial hygiene kits for women and girls that are required. Clean water supplies are needed at different levels. Food and non-food items, especially like cooking pots, mosquito nets, and then uh, sleeping mats and other essential items as part of the non-food item kits are required. Food, both in the shape of cooked and uncooked meals, are needed at the field level. Mm. And then uh, I think... To be honest, it's not an emergency where it will end with the life-saving support which will happen at the initial stage. It will require a lot of support in early recovery towards long-term development planning. Shiraz says that Care International is concerned that more flooding is coming in the next few days. When you speak with the people who have been affected from this flood, you really see that they 
their houses are damaged they don't have a shelter they are living under the sky and the flooding and rain still continues so to be honest like the situation is becoming worse and worse every day and the rains haven't stopped uh, the prediction still say it will rain a couple of more days and more water is coming Shiraz explains that Pakistan needs help today because waiting any longer the situation may spiral out of control everything is required to be honest today if we don't have today there will be more and more challenges we'll be facing in coming days to come so international help is required from now and uh, all the aid workers are at the field level responding to this emergency along with the government of pakistan so the support is to be honest required now now if we if we really wait for the, a long time we'll be late for this response so we really need to think of today rather than tomorrow the university of pennsylvania's wharton school the highly ranked business school in philadelphia says that in their opinion President Biden's student debt loan forgiveness plan will place a heavy cost on the economy. According to Penn's Wharton School, debt cancellation alone will cost the U.S. up to $519 billion. Loan forbearance, which allows borrowers to temporarily stop paying, will cost an estimated $16 billion. The income-driven repayment plan will initially cost $70 billion. Fox Business's Charles Payne says that while the reports suggest the debt forgiveness play will cost taxpayers money, the federal government will lose money as well. Now, according to a Penn Wharton model, forgiveness will cost taxpayers anywhere between $300 billion and $980 billion, about a trillion dollars. And by the way, 70% of that relief will accrue to the top 60% of income distribution. The Federal Reserve in April, they put out their numbers. They pegged a range at around $321 billion for $10,000 in forgiveness, up to $900 billion for $50,000 at that threshold. By the way, at both levels, you still have a much higher percentage of higher income households receiving relief than lower income households. Of course, that would change with 75 caps, but still, uh, we'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, Earlier this month, the GAO reported that the federal government will probably lose $197 billion on student loans that have already been issued over the past 25 years. Payne says that, in his opinion, the Biden plan is creating a new caste system in the U.S. I wanted to share this with you because, to me, it's just a reminder of why this whole scheme is unfair to most Americans. Folks with less than college uh, degrees expect to get $48,000 as a job offer. Uh, and this is what they would accept. Those folks who went to college expect 76000 So the former is paying for the latter. This is a new caste system. And I tell you, it sucks. We're unleashing an army of IRS agents that go after small business owners. Many of these small business owners, they had to take that chance because they didn't have the pedigree, right, to go and move up the corporate ladder. These same folks can't afford to pay workers just after President Biden sparked a wage spiral. And, and states raise minimum wages. Here's the bottom line. Cue the music, folks. Pride, pomp, and circumstances of glorious war, it certainly is. Ed Morrissey, host of The Ed Morrissey Show and managing editor of HotAir.com, says that government stepping in to relieve student loan debt will only help raise the cost of college tuition. The White House claims that Joe Biden's proposed student loan debt forgiveness plan will rescue tens of millions from an unjust burden. It's really just a shameful and illegal abuse of executive power by Biden, spending hundreds of billions without congressional authorization. 
It does nothing except to bail out academia and the ideological factory it has become. The demands for such debt relief prove that the financial model for colleges failed. Tuition has risen so high that the extra earnings from a college education no longer covers its costs. When thousands of Lawrence Tribe's Harvard, Harvard graduates are trapped by their student debt, it proves a total market failure. The only beneficiaries of this failed market model are the universities deluged in consumer demand, fueled by government-protected loans bankrupting students. And now it's the working and middle classes that will foot the bill. It's massive consumer fraud, and we'll all be paying for it. Meantime, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf wants Republican lawmakers in his state to help pass a bill that would allow Pennsylvania government to send $2,000 to families making less than $80,000 a year in order to help them fight inflation. Virginia Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin vowed to block all efforts to ban gas-powered vehicles in Virginia. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has more on this developing story. His declaration comes after California's Air Resources Board voted Thursday to implement an executive order by California Democrat Governor Gavin Newsom that phases out gas-powered vehicles and bans the sale of them beginning in the year 2035. Virginia passed a law in 2021 that set the Commonwealth on a path to adopt California's emission standards. Youngkin wrote in a statement posted to Twitter, in an effort to turn Virginia into California, liberal politicians who previously ran our government sold Virginia out by subjecting Virginia drivers to California vehicle laws. Youngkin continued, I'm already at work to prevent this ridiculous edict from being forced on Virginians. Bernie Bennett reporting. According to an exclusive report by News Nation, the latest city to be impacted by the migrant crisis is Miami, Florida. The Border Patrol is deploying 114 agents from the northern border and some southern border sectors to areas being hit hard, including Miami, Del Rio, Texas, and Yuma, Arizona. Of those agents, only 15 will be deployed to the Miami sector. The majority will go to Del Rio, which is where Eagle Pass is, and that is the epicenter of the crisis in Texas. Brian Enton of News Nation explains that more migrants are building boats to land off the coast of Miami. There's such a focus on the southern border with Texas, but we have seen a surge here uh, in Florida, too. We've got exclusive reporting that the feds are now beefing up their staffing uh, in this area as more and more migrants, they build uh, these boats and they come ashore right here off the coast of Miami. Enton says that the migration crisis is now impacting coastal borders. Today, more migrants coming ashore in Florida. A homemade boat discovered by Border Patrol in Key West. Two other boats found this morning in a different part of the Florida Keys. And on Saturday, a sailboat loaded with migrants was tracked by the Coast Guard near the Bahamas. News Nation exclusively obtaining these U.S. Border Patrol sensitive deployment orders that say the U.S. Border Patrol is encountering a continuous surge of illegal migration along the southwest border. The surge is now starting to impact coastal border sections as well. USBP processing, holding and transportation capacities continue to be strained. News Nation Learning Customs and Border Patrol needs help because of the surge and will send an additional 114 CBP agents to Del Rio, Yuma, and Miami. Enton explains that the Border Patrol is calling in agents from northern states to deal with the southern border.
The backup agents will come from places like Buffalo, New York, Grand Forks, North Dakota, Detroit, Big Bend, Oregon, San Diego, and Tucson, and they'll start deploying at the end of the week. The problem is not new, but it's getting worse. Enton also says that the Coast Guard has seen an exponential increase of migrant landings. The Coast Guard has reported a 450% increase in at-sea interdictions of Cuban migrants. And since October 1st, Border Patrol agents have responded to more than 210 migrant landings in the Miami sector. That's a 330% increase compared to last fiscal year. Enton says that while some migrants are apprehended, many others get away. Migrant boats abandoned, some of the people taken into custody by the feds, others disappearing into cities like Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and Palm Beach. And when the Coast Guard spots the migrants offshore on those boats, uh, they take them onto the Coast Guard gutter, uh, cutter, and most of the time they are taken immediately back to the countries they came from, uh, like Haiti and Cuba. When they actually make it to shore, sometimes they do get away. Uh, other times they are stopped by uh, Customs and Border Patrol. Uh, many claim asylum, and then there is a legal process that they go through. Meanwhile, the exclusive report goes on to suggest that many Border Patrol agents are being told to restrict overtime hours. The Census Bureau reported Tuesday sales of new homes fell 12.6% in July following a drop in May as the housing sector continues to soften from the twin shocks of rising mortgage rates and higher prices. Dr. Skyler Olson is Zillow's chief economist and says that part of the issue is higher interest rates driving homeowners out of the market. Those larger month, you know, like year over year numbers are benefiting from pretty strong growth still in the early part of the year. The major inflection point was probably around April and May where we started to see things slow down very quickly. So we're posting negative month over month numbers in terms of home prices on our uh, raw index that's not seasonally adjusted. That's still much slower than a normal July for sure. You wouldn't normally expect uh, to see prices go that soft. And this is absolutely the aftermath of higher rates, right? The prices really can't net out or people can't bid at the same way that they did before when they're confronted by rates at a much, much higher level. Olson explains that another issue with the housing market is the degree of uncertainty. Rates are bouncing around a lot. We're stuck in between recession risk um, and yet at the other side, you know, potentially persistent inflation. Jobs numbers were really strong in July. You know, the market is starting to get a sense maybe the Federal Reserve, when Powell comes back at the next meeting, will have to be pretty tough again. So we saw rates kind of come back up over five and a half again. Um, So this is the kind of uncertainty that we're moving forward uh, into the future. It's going to be pretty difficult to time the market. Olson also says that there may be a few reasons why some home buyers are backing out of the market. You know, when we see the cancellations, it could be a few things. It could be someone recognizing that they might no longer, you know, uh, you know, when they hit, be able to qualify, right? Especially if you have a new home sale contract, you don't often, you know, when you sign that contract, sometimes you don't close for months and months later. The recent increase in rates has been pretty painful. One of the ways to think about it is, you know, we have that fast home value appreciation over the past two years or so. But if I just 
just look at the last year. So I'm incorporating the mortgage rate increase. The mortgage payment is up over 60%. Okay, that's you really finding out that you can no longer qualify potentially for the house that you thought you were going to be able to move forward in maybe three months ago when you had a contract on a new home sale. Olson does have some advice for home buyers still looking to purchase a home. So the other challenge that we're facing as much as housing markets are getting slow is new listings are also pulling back. Okay, that is one of the reasons why we think prices will start turning around again. So, you know, if you find inventory that works for you, the match is all important. Make sure you're working with a local professional to help you navigate markets that are quickly changing. Um, But as you look forward in the future, this isn't a situation with distressed sellers. Please feel free, you know, if it's a home that works for you, to move forward. Um, But that said, make sure you're working with someone that can help you navigate. At the same time, and for the first time ever, the median rent in the U.S. topped $2,000 a month. Rising rents mean that households representing a total of 8.5 million people were behind on their rent at the end of August. 3.8 million of those renters say they're somewhat or very likely to be evicted in the next two months. A California bill that aims to improve and standardize working conditions for fast food workers has won passage in the state Senate, all but ensuring it will reach the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom, despite firm opposition from restaurant owners and business interests. We get more on this from Daybreak Insider Mike Gracia. Acting over objections of restaurant owners who warned of associated higher costs for consumers, the California State Senate advanced a measure Monday that would give more than a half million fast food workers in the Golden State more power and protections. The bill would create a new 10-member fast food council that would be empowered to set minimum standards for wages, hours, and working conditions in California. The council would include four workers' delegates, four employers' representatives, and two state officials. The measure now goes to the California Assembly which adjourns on Wednesday. I'm Mike Gracia. NASA called off the launch of its latest attempt to get back to the moon after a last-minute cascade of problems culminating in unexplained engine trouble. The next launch attempt will not take place until Friday at the earliest and could be delayed until mid-September or later. NASA Administrator and former astronaut Bill Nelson says... We don't launch until it's right. This is a very complicated machine, a very complicated system, and all those things have to work. And you don't want to light the candle until it's ready to go. Nelson says this is par for the course when it comes to test flights. This is just part of the space business. And it's part of particularly a test flight We are stressing and testing this rocket and the spacecraft uh, in a way that you would never do it with uh, the human crew on board. And finally, not even Starbucks pumpkin spice latte is immune to inflation. Starbucks fall favorite returns today with a higher price A grande-sized hot pumpkin spice latte will cost customers between $5.45 and $5.95 
depending on location. All right, well, we are still a few weeks away from fall, but the season's most popular drink is back. Finally, I know there's so many fans out there. Starbucks's pumpkin spice latte will be available at the chain starting tomorrow. But with a heftier price tag, a grande-sized PSL, that's their medium size in case you don't go to Starbucks all the time, is going to cost you between $5.45 and $5.95, depending on where you are, which is about a 4% increase from last year. That's in line with other price increases at the coffee chain amid mm. high inflation. Dave, you and I have talked about pumpkin spice in the past. I love pumpkin. Not a huge fan of the pumpkin spice latte, although no one has really asked me about that personally what I think about it. But get a load of this, that, Dave. More than 600 million pumpkin spice lattes have been sold at Starbucks since the company introduced the drink back in 2003. So less than 20 years, they've sold over 600, sorry, but did I say 600,000, 600 million pumpkin spice lattes. That's incredible. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.